Hello and welcome to the Armenian News Network Room Week in Review. I'm Asbet Bedrosian and along with Hobik Manusharian, this week we're going to talk about the following major topics. Constitutional court decisions on election results, new Pashinyan appointments, more threats from Azerbaijan, and Russian generals in Yerevan again. And to talk about these issues, we, we have with us Suren Sarkisyan, who is the founder and president of the Armenian Center for American Studies Research Center based in Yerevan. Hello and welcome, Suren. Hi, hi. Thank you. Good to hear you again. Same here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. The last time we talked was during the uh, war and a lot of things A lot of things changed. have changed, <laughs> yes, since then, exactly. And today we want exactly. to talk to you about some of these things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of things happen. So on our show, normally we cover the last week in review, so we have a few developments that we wanted to discuss sure. with you. So the first one is the constitutional court results and uh, essentially... Uh, as we were expecting on Saturday evening, the Constitutional Court ruled to leave the results of this June 20 snap parliamentary elections unchanged. And this essentially means that the soon-to-be-sworn-in National mm-hmm. Assembly will have a makeup that gives the ruling party's civil contract a comfortable majority with Armenia Alliance and I Have Honor Alliance being uh, the two minority factions. So, Suren, um, let's begin with this. I understand your focus is on international relations, but we can keep that keep it that way. But what are your thoughts on the political developments inside the country since we last talked, and since November 10 specifically? Um, were you expecting such an outcome that we have today uh, as part of the elections? Actually, uh, the foreign policy and the internal policy are two things that are very interconnected uh, to each other. So everything is um, attached, everything is right. attached. And in, and in that regard, uh, well, I have to say that uh, it was not a surprise for me, and it was not a surprise for a lot of people. The decision of the Constitutional Court, the Supreme Court of Armenia, it was, uh, I think it was quite predictable, whereas there were some, some problems during the election process, but I think it, was, it did not have any major influence on the results, so that is most probably this is what the Constitutional Court says in, um, in a decision. So. Not surprisingly, I think I think it was not a surprise, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Right. So the new National Assembly will have a tough job and deal with numerous issues related to Artsakh and regional developments and international uh, relations. Everything from demarcation and delimitation, which may mm-hmm. include dealing with issues of the former Azerbaijani SSR enclaves that are... Uh, uh, you know, part of Armenia, a potential peace treaty with Azerbaijan is even mentioned, and even establishing relations uh, with Turkey. First, which one of these is realistic that we need to worry about, and what are your predictions on the types of issues that will be dealt with by the new parliament? Okay. Yeah, let's begin with that, I guess. Okay, so actually, so many <laughs> questions in one question, actually. So I, I'm taking the floor, and I'm trying yes. to and I'm trying to answer all the all the questions. Okay, so uh, basically, of course, a lot of challenges for the new parliament, for the new government. For the opposition too, actually, because opposition has to be very active, has to be very sometimes aggressive. This is the process of the parliamentarism. So if you want to have a parliament, you have to have a strong um, opposition. And if you want to work effectively, you, of course, do need uh, as strong opposition in the parliament as possible, especially if you're a parliamentary country. So uh, basically, yes, a lot of changes, uh, a lot of challenges and a lot of problems ahead. Well, I will start probably with this Armenian-Azerbaijani peace treaty, whatever you call it. I'm not sure what's going to be called, but uh, we've heard a lot of information about it coming from Baku, also coming 
uh, also statements coming from Yerevan saying that we need to uh, establish normal relations with Azerbaijan, etc. So technically, if we take a look at the situation, if we are signing this uh, peace treaty or whatever you call it with Azerbaijan, there must be an article in this treaty about the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan, which Azerbaijan has to put there. I mean, they are intending to put there, and that's that's one of the most probably that's one of the preconditions. So it's a big risk. It's a big question whether Armenia is going to oppose it or Armenia is going to recognize the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan, including uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, which is the most problematic thing actually. So if we do. Uh, then Azerbaijan will most probably sign it, then um, Armenia and Azerbaijan will establish diplomatic relations, will open the borders, trade, etc. And these kind of things are going to be the next step. But uh, again, uh, this is a big question for me, how Armenia is going to recognize the territorial integrity of Azerbaijan, uh, including Nagorno-Karabakh. This is a big question for me. This is the first step. Second step, if, let's say, theoretically, uh, we are signing the agreement, the peace treaty, or whatever you call it, with Azerbaijan. The next step is, uh, is Turkey, because you know that the precondition for Turkey to establish normal relations with Armenia, uh, reconciliation, etc., is the Nagorno-Karabakh issue. Uh, and they are saying, like, if you solve Nagorno-Karabakh issue and if you forget the Armenian genocide and don't bring it to international recognition, then we can we can. Uh, establish normal relations. So technically, if, if we have a treaty with Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijani president is making statements all the time saying that there is no such a problem as Nagorno-Karabakh problem because it is already solved. This is the precondition actually uh, already, already there for Turkey. And the next precondition is the recognition, international recognition of the Armenian genocide. And what is Turkey saying? That Armenian government has to has to stop bringing this, uh, <clears throat> bringing the recognition of the Armenian genocide into the into his foreign policy. So basically, we have to stop pro pro propaganda of the recognition of the Armenian genocide. That's the second precondition. But if you have noticed, Armenian government is not is not even talking about the Armenian genocide or the necessity of the recognition of the Armenian genocide by by the international community. So basically, this precondition is also sort of there. We're not even talking about it. It's already so, met. Yes, sort of, sort of, sort of. Technically, it's what you're saying made. is really horrifying, Sudan. But I'm I'm trying to be realistic. You know, I'm not I'm I'm trying to say the uh, the truth, not 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 a good things for our ears. You know, but yes, yes. Uh, but but the truth. I think it's very important to uh, come to that. And also, if you take a look at the region, and if we take a look at what what is happening in our region, what is Turkish policy in this region, the role of Russia. Um, which is which is quite passive recently, not as active as it used to be a year or a couple of years ago. And Turkey is not the same Turkey as it used to be five years ago, let's say. Turkey is something new. Turkey has a new strategy, whatever you call it. You can call it neo-Osmanism, mm -hmm. you can call it um, recreation of Turkish, I don't know, Osman, Osman Empire, whatever you call it. But Turkey is a new Turkey, very active, very aggressive. And Turkey is everywhere, from Libya to Syria, from South Caucasus to even Afghanistan. Now, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan right. makes a perfect, perfect, perfect timing for, for Turkey to be in Afghanistan. What is Turkey trying to do? Sort of have a bigger influence on Turkic um, people living in Central Asia. So this is also a serious challenge for Russia because these Taliban can 
go to Central Asia, then they can appear in the territory of the Russian Federation. Well, a lot of problems for Russia. Uh, Russia is, is a superpower, but at the same time, the challenges he has are also super challenges, including the, the problem that he faces in, in Belarus, in Ukraine, in Georgia, in Nagorno-Karabakh, right. in Libya, in Syria, in Central Asia, in Afghanistan. So many problems, even for such a big uh, superpower as uh, Russian Federation. Anyways, uh, and we see that the challenger, the main challenger is Turkey. Well, Turkey can have a lot of problems with the European Union or separate states or the United States, but, but this anti-Russian process that Turkey is doing, uh, definitely Turkey has a lot of support from, from outside, from the people, from, from, the, from the countries that are also targeting Russia. So that is the main situation in the region right now and sort of um, these tensions between Turkey and Russia are also here in, in Armenia and some people, some experts are even calling this war a proxy war of Russia and Turkey or their interests. Well, this so is then, global Coming view. back to the issue of uh, the Armenian genocide and recognition, there's the element of the diaspora which is not controlled by the exactly. of Armenia. Exactly. Right? Mm -hmm. That's the most important point because as we know, Armenian government had nothing to do with the recognition of the Armenian genocide by Biden administration because Biden promised it to the Armenian Americans, actually, there, there's, Armenia has nothing to do with that. Right. Uh, but at the same time, if you remember in early 90s when the, uh, when the recognition of the Armenian genocide was not in the agenda of Armenia's foreign policy, Armenian diaspora, even sometimes, if we bring an example of Washington DC, I remember the first ambassador were uh, telling me about it. He was recalling that they were working very effectively with ANCA and other groups on the recognition of the Armenian genocide. but. Theoretically, it was not in our agenda, but under the sort of under the cover, they were right. trying to do something about it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure if we have the situation right here, right now, and I'm not sure that our ambassadors are receiving signals from Yerevan to be uh, as active as possible on the recognition of the Armenian genocide. Because if we take a look on, on the press releases coming from, let's say, Ministry of Foreign Affairs or different embassies, uh, there are no events uh, about the recognition of the Armenian genocide. Uh, even in the United States, uh, organized by the by the embassy, and of course we also um, um, sh shortly, I guess, like several months ago, before the elections, we heard. Uh, it seems like there was a coordinated uh, campaign by different um, uh, leaders from uh, the MySTEP Alliance, uh, talking about the need to reevaluate how we deal with our neighbors and so forth. Exactly. So, yeah, those are all. Those all, you know, uh, seem to essentially support your your thesis. Of course, of course. And it's, and it's happening, actually. To tell you frankly, I see that it's happening. I see a major shift in, in our region, geopolitical, geopolitical shift in our region. So, if, again, if we're trying to open the borders with the neighbors, if we're trying to uh, establish normal diplomatic relations with uh, both our neighbors, uh, the third step is going to be uh, the, uh, the, the Russian military base. Because if Armenian-Turkish border is open... You mean the removal of the base? Yeah, removal of the base right. from Armenia. I mean, that will be on the agenda, because if you don't have any threat from Turkey, and Turkey will say, you know, guys, I'm not going to hurt you, and there will be some guarantees coming not only from Turkey, but from some NATO countries, maybe, maybe uh, even NATO itself. Like, guys, we, we're not a threat for you anymore. Why do you need this uh, military base uh, to be in Yerevan? So it's a, it's a major issue. I think we all agree that uh, this is part of the scenario. But Possible if we can scenario. talk about this, uh, we're, we're sure to know that the Russians 
uh, know this as well? How can they of sit course. by idly? Uh, it's a good question. How can they sit by? But try to imagine the geography of their interests from Libya to Syria to mm -hmm. Nagorno-Karabakh mm -hmm. and everywhere. Well, in some places, Russia may say, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit passive here because I cannot be as active as I would like it to be because besides the problem that I have around my border, I also have uh, uh, problems with my economy, with political situation in Russia, a lot of sanctions against Russia from the United States and from some European countries. So it's, it's a really tough situation for Russia and sometimes Russia can say, okay, let me hold here a while, then yeah, they wait, wait to see what's going to happen. You're saying they've done their math and maybe um, the Artsakh and the Armenian issues are not as important as, for example, what's going on in Kabul, Afghanistan, etc. They are, of course, they are important, but, uh, but sometimes you have to understand, you have to realize that uh, there are no as much resources as you need to uh, to sort of to sort of satisfy uh, mm -hmm. all your needs in your foreign policy. So sometimes you have to wait. And I think maybe for Russia, not only here, not only in uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, but somewhere else, like in Libya, they can just uh, try to wait uh, uh, and to see what's going to happen, then act. Yeah. So these are like the high-level geopolitical issues. But I want to walk us back a little bit and talk about the demarcation and delimitation uh, yes. with Azerbaijan. I mean, we see the signals, we hear, this, we hear the signals, and we know that this is coming. Uh, my only hope is that the Pashinyan government is not a foreign agent. If, yes. if, we are, if Armenia is going in that direction, and uh, obviously the opposition you know, signed on to the elections agenda, so they made their borscht, now they have to eat it. Um, yes. Is there a way that we can navigate this, this this issue in a way that we will not seal the fate of Artsakh? Such as, for instance, you know, I've I've heard uh, many countries have diplomatic relations with each other without ex uh, explicitly recognizing different regions. So, for instance, I was thinking if if Armenia maybe Armenia thinks that uh, it can sign a peace treaty with, with special provision saying that Ar it doesn't recognize Artsakh as part of Azerbaijan. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, we talked about this issue from the beginning uh, of our conversation, in the beginning of our conversation, right. that the foreign policy and the internal policy, these are two things that are interconnected to, it, to each other, and it's very important to understand that. Um, concerning, concerning the peace treaty, well, again, uh, the recognition of Azerbaijan's territorial integrity is the most important uh, provision that is going to be involved in this uh, in this uh, treaty. So mm -hmm. they will not sign anything that will put their territorial integrity aside. So they will not sign anything, uh, anything else. Well, maybe there will be some, some ambiguity in, in this article, some, some little uh, ambiguity, but I think this is the most important thing for Azerbaijan. And of course for us too, but we have to understand that we are very weak. And I think this is the weakest period of the um, history of Armenia since the uh, independence right but essentially if um, you know I, i'm going to be goodwilled here towards the pashinian government and say no government that represents armenia can sign something and they i mean they can't claim ignorance that you know they're, they're essentially signing uh, away artsakh's fate without artsakh we have no armenia in my opinion if uh, azerbaijan holds on to its maximalist positions despite being strong strong right now yes I'm not sure that Armenia, you know, would sign anything, you know, uh, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of steps already and let's, let's attribute that to ignorance or inexperience, but 
you know, what is the role? And I'm hoping that with an opposition that seems to be more nationalistic and more focused on military and so forth, uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't think that an opposition will also let Armenia or let Pashinyan sign something that will be very detrimental. So, do you see maybe maybe the maybe then this means that this issue will be stuck in negotiations for many years, many decades. Is that maybe what we can expect and therefore potentially more um, instability and more... What do you base this on, though? Because the opposition doesn't have... I mean, first of all, they didn't win win the elections, right? And second, they do not have a strong enough presence in the parliament to stop the government from doing well, whatever Well, they, they always have the street option, I think. And they have said that they will exercise all uh, options in their disposal. I think that right now they're choosing not to go to the street and not to sort of destabilize the issue even more. But And that's another question, right? Talking about uh, the relationship between the opposition and the ruling party, I think given that they went for the elections and got the results that they did, my sort of conclusion is that they're going to set some red lines in front of Pashinyan saying, you know, you cannot do this, you cannot do this. And in these cases, we will not, you know, go to the street and try to sort of, you know, change power through the, uh, through the street. I mean, that's that's my prediction, at least. Uh, I wanted to oh, okay. see what student thinks. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a tough issue, but I don't think that we have strong enough opposition uh, in the parliament. And also the opposition is not strong enough to do something in the streets. We have to admit it because at the end of the day we have to we have to remember what happened within the last six or seven months so if there were a lot of people on the streets uh the government would go but it did not go moreover during the elections they got 54 percent so there is a support from the population of armenia to this government and this support is is not going down and people are not going out outside people are not happy with that kind of processes, as I understand, and they are not going outside because they don't trust, they don't like, etc., etc., etc. So I think it's very important to have an opposition, but it's crucial to have strong opposition because now in a parliament, um, the ruling party can do whatever they want to do. Right. Theoretically, they cannot change only the only some articles of the constitution, but the rest is up to them. They can do whatever they want to do. They can sign whatever they want to sign. They can. Uh, ratify whatever they need to be ratified. So this is technically what we have uh, at this point. Can they change borders? Uh, uh, actually, look, this de- demarcation and delimitation is a is an important process, but it's it's not changing borders technically because, um, well, we have to take a look at it because uh, whatever is happening now, this de- 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 demarcation delimitation. Is only uh, uh, Armenia is the only party that only giving territory. So Azerbaijan is not giving anything to us. So I have an impression that this uh, delimitation is just for Armenia, not for Azerbaijan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in that regard, of course, they cannot give territories to Azerbaijan. But at the same time, Azerbaijan is coming uh, into our territory, and they are claiming that the territory be- belongs to them. And Armenia's army is doing nothing about it. Armenia's government is doing nothing about it. But the but the main constitutional responsibility of the armed forces is to protect territorial integrity of Armenia, which we don't see. So, uh, again, uh, they have no right to, they have no rights, let's say, to change the borders, but the borders are changing and they are doing nothing, mm-hmm. uh, even if they have a responsibility under the constitution. We should mention that the Armenia Alliance and Ayabana Alliance are not the only political forces in Armenia, but... I want to sort of underscore again that we should maybe there will be additional sort of political forces or even non-political actors or, you know, that 
may sort of, you know, essentially this means internal instability uh, in, in any case, whether Armenia signs it or intends to sign it, uh, sign something that would be detrimental to the future of Artsakh. And, and actually, yes, and actually one more thing, one more thing that I would like to mention here, that we haven't heard anything from the Armenian government about their official position on Artsakh. We don't know what they are planning for Artsakh. Are they planning to recognize Artsakh? Are they planning to recognize, if they are planning to recognize what are the borders of the Artsakh that Armenian's gov Armenian government is going to recognize? Is Armenia going to let this uh, process uh, to go uh, to go to international society? I mean, sh does Armenia want uh, Armenian government wants this um, this recognition by third parties? Let's say different states from the United States, different countries in the European Union, because a lot of countries are saying that we are ready to recognize the independence of Artsakh. But I've never heard a voice from the Armenian government about it. Did you did you hear anything, guys? Now, in fact, right before this um, these elections, I think the last session of uh, the 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 the, pre the previous session before the last, um, there yeah. was a proposal by the opposition to um, you know make a statement about Artsakh, and and in the last minute they removed it from the agenda. Uh, okay. So Why was that? So you see, that means that means there is an absence of the. Uh, of the uh, official position about it. There is no position on Artsakh. They don't know what they want from Artsakh. This is basically uh, what I'm saying. I mean, what would be the downside of recognizing at this point? It used to be that they were afraid that recognition of Artsakh would lead to a stoppage of the negotiations. But there, I mean, there are no negotiations right now. Of course, there are no negotiations. If they are scared, uh, I think, if, uh, yes, maybe there's a factor of uh, fear, uh, maybe government is scared, but they should, they could, they could do that three years ago, if, because Pashinyan was saying that uh, he's, he started negotiations from his own point. Uh, they also could recognize it during the war, like the first days of the war, of but course. they did not. And they do not recognize it now, most probably, because <laughs> they don't think that, um, I'm, I'm saying something very strange probably, um, uh, and something very unusual, but maybe they think that um, they cannot recognize Artsakh because Artsakh belongs to Azerbaijan. Right. Um, well, regardless of what they think, <laughs> I think that you know this, of this, this will definitely uh, be a, a major issue <laughs> that we'll be talking about. I feel about. speechless about the whole thing anyway. Well, I mean, um, yeah. You know, it's it's sad to say, but I frequently monitor these fake news uh, YouTube channels and so forth. And um, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, 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 it's very important thing pro, that you're government yes, right. and, and over the last two weeks, there has been, or even more, there has been a campaign against Artsakhtis. And, you know, uh, there, there are allegations, of course, not unproven yet, but there are allegations that these channels are controlled by forces allied to the ruling government. Uh, so someone is doing these types of propaganda, propaganda efforts, yeah. and to of what course. end? They are also, by the way, did you did you notice that they are also propagandizing, doing a propaganda for uh, establishing normal relations with neighbors, like it's time to establish normal relations with neighbors, and the price was Artsakh, sort of this kind of things. Have you noticed that too? Right, right. Uh, yeah, very ominous. Um, so I still so hope that if the existing opposition and the existing uh, government will act against the interests of Armenians more than what has been done so far, I think that, you know, uh, at least there will be a lot of instability and uh, there will be different pockets of people, uh, resistance that people have to deal with. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, let's let's talk about the next thing that I wanted to discuss, which is um, the new appointments uh, that may be of interest. Uh, so 
<clears throat> Pashinyan's administration made several appointments over the past week. But the two like that are really interesting are Armin Grigoryan, uh, formerly the head of the National Security Council during the war, um, was appointed as the first deputy foreign minister. Uh, the other appointment uh, that was widely expected was that Lilith Malkuns was appointed uh, ambassador to the United States. Uh, meanwhile, the current ambassador, Nersesian, is being reappointed as ambassador to the United Kingdom. Um, let's start with the most controversial appointment, I guess, uh, with Armin Grigoryan. Many see this as an interim step to promoting him as, you know, foreign minister, uh, probably when the new government is formalized. If this prediction is true, then Grigoryan will be the first foreign minister to come from outside of the ministry. Um, he essentially has no prior diplomatic experience. Uh, Suren, do you agree with that Grigoryan will most likely beat foreign minister? And if so, what do you think is the reasoning for this appointment? And how will Grigorian's appointment affect uh, our foreign policy you know, in the future? Actually, uh, this is very predictable. I think, that, I think that this is very logical that he's appointed, he's going to be appointed as a foreign minister because he's well known uh, for his anti-Russia views. And, he's, uh, and as you remember, he's not considering Turkey the enemy of Armenia. So this is very logical. Who else could be there? Also, there, there was some resistance in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs about the foreign policy of Armenia, uh, but in the times of Foreign Minister Zorab Manasakanyan and Foreign Minister Arab Ayvazian, and as you remember, they both uh, resigned because they had disagreement with the government. Uh, the same with their deputies. And this, uh, this appointment is very logical because he's agree. He's agree with the foreign policy that the government is having and uh, there will be no resistance from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Uh, ministry will do whatever the government is saying in, in foreign policy if we have a foreign policy. But the, but, the, but the good thing is that the ministry is not a decision maker. So uh, the inexperienced uh, uh, of Armin Grigoryan is not going to play a big role because he's not a decision maker. As we know, all the decisions are made by the, by the government, by the prime minister himself. So you mentioned something that I, I think uh, is worth discussing. You mentioned that his views are um, uh, anti-Russian and this is why he's being appointed. Not, not that is why, but they took it into consideration, definitely. Right. But, but I'm, I'm trying to sort of uh, get to this debate between whether Pashinyan is really anti-Russian or pro-Russian. Uh, I think sort of, you know, we have all our opinions, but what would you say to someone that, actually, uh, that says that Pashinyan has been the most pro-Russian Armenian leader in recent times? By the way, this is a very frequent uh, thought that you can uh, meet when you're uh, in Washington, D.C., meeting people who are in think tanks uh, dealing with our region. They're saying that this is very pro-Russian government. But at the same time, if you look deeper on what is happening in our foreign policy, you will see that these shifts in our foreign policy, including the Artsakh war, the aftermath of Artsakh war, uh, the uh, establishing relations with our neighbors, everything is taking us to, not, not to, to, to enter Russia process, but everything is taking us to the, to the point that Russia uh, will have to withdraw from, from Armenia, its forces from Armenia, its base, military base from Armenia. This is uh, where uh, this process is are taking if we follow the logic of this uh, processes. That's what I'm saying. So basically, if you follow the events, if you follow the processes, you will see that that is going to happen. And the, and the uh, uh, visit of the uh, uh, high-level officials from the European Union and the information that they gave that they are providing two and a half billion euros for uh, Armenia, mm -hmm. etc. Right. You will see. You will see the process. You will see that kind of process.
But Soren, if the Russians were to leave Armenia, then how is Armenia's sovereignty going to be guaranteed? Or is that not the right paradigm? Um, well, look, um, what, what we have now, we, we are the country that uh, we, don't, we don't have an army, actually, technically, right, because okay, exactly. there, are, there are people serving in the army, but the army is not doing the main function that it has to do, as I mentioned, according to our constitution. Uh, if you don't have an army, if you don't have territorial integrity, because about two months, already about two months, Azerbaijani forces are in the territory of the, uh, of the Republic of Armenia. So mm -hmm. what guarantees can we talk about? We don't, we don't have an uh, army and we are trying to bring outside players inside to fight for us against someone else. Of course, it's not going to happen. No other international. That's right. Of course, of course, we cannot do that. I mean, they are saying, okay, guys, if you don't want to fight, why do you want us to come and fight for you? Okay, if you had the fight and if you would invite us as your partner, as I don't know, your strategic ally, etc., we could do something, but you're not fighting. What do you want from us? And actually, we've heard a lot of information that Russia was trying to help Armenia during the 44, day was, 44 days war, yeah. and we didn't, and we didn't uh, accept their uh, assistance. Even Putin was saying that there was uh, possibilities to, to stop the war on the 17th day. So. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of questions about the war, a lot of questions about war that we need to find the answers. Well, one fact I can state is that uh, Azerbaijanis entered uh, Armenian territory without Armenians firing a single shot. So our army, yes, as you're saying, provided no resistance to the uh, outside force. But, you know, uh, um, Armen Grigorian blamed, uh, I guess, the CSTO. Uh, by saying that, you know, well, first of all, when, uh, you know, th there was this thing that where, where you know, Ar uh, Armenia applied to the CSTO and said, you know, please come protect us, uh, or, you know, they essentially raised it based on Article 2 of the CSTO saying that there's a potential for conflict. And uh, what Ara Armin Grigorian said at the time was um, very ominous and interesting to me, where he said that this will be a test for CSTO, whether it will work as an of organization. Of course, of course. Of course, and try to imagine a situation when Armenia is withdrawing from the CSTO, which is which is again logical, uh, under, uh, which is against in the logic of uh, what I'm trying to say. Right. How about the other appointment? So Lilith Malkunz, again, no prior diplomatic experience, um, appointed as a U.S. ambassador. What is the reason for her appointment? Maybe maybe it's sort of the same. Like for instance, one one argument I believe Osped we were talking before the show. Osped mm -hmm. mentioned that uh, it may be to establish better relations with the diaspora or try to sort of promote the uh, views of civil contract with the Armenian diaspora in the U U.S. Do you think that that is <laughs> if, the main if reason? They if the reason is to establish good relations with the diaspora, I think this is the uh, the wrongest <laughs> candidacy. The to worst, do that because yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, and the, and and uh, because uh, uh, who is diaspora? Diaspora are political parties. Uh, um, uh, I mean, not only not, not only the uh, Armenians in the United States, but also political parties, but also NGOs, etc. And, and half of these parties and NGOs are saying that the Armenian government has to resign and have to go. So um, I don't think she's able and she has uh, capabilities to work with the Armenian diaspora. And if this is the main reason, I can say that it's going to be a total failure. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think the reason is not there. The reason is that uh, Pashinyan needs someone that um, he, he totally trusts. Uh, and uh, Markus is one of those 
people that he totally trusts. That's the only explanation that Suren I can is, find. Do you think the appointment is targeting the diaspora or the U.S. government? It's really hard to say because... Um, Okay, look at the Armenian-American agenda. Right. What is the Armenian-American agenda? We don't have a rich agenda. The, all the agenda is, uh, is about the U.S. foreign assistance to Armenia. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, point number one, assistance to Armenia. Point number two, assistance to Armenia in, for this program, for that program, etc. So basically, we are only talking about U.S. assistance to, Ar to Armenia, and there is no uh, big and rich agenda in, um, in, bilateral, in bilateral relations. So... Uh, and most of it is not, because of diaspora lobbying and stuff. Not, not only because of the lobby, but uh, I, I mean, this, the, this assistance is yes, of course, assistance is mostly coming because we have we have lobby, we have uh, community, etc. Not because Armenian embassy or uh, Armenian diplomacy is working mm -hmm. uh, uh, actively in in Washington D.C. Right. So, uh, uh, and as I know, uh, Lilith Magunz, she she was the one who initiated her appointment. So she technically. Uh, brought her candidacy to this position. I see. And probably there aren't that many um, people to choose from, even for Pashinyan, uh, because... Of course, um, of course. we're seeing, yes. they're recycling people between... Yeah, I'm uh, also seeing that the bench is not very deep at this point. There's a... Like you said, uh, Hovi, the cadre is so tight at this point. Uh, oh, it's not course. even like uh, 2018 when there were more people around. Of course, of course. And there are a lot of people who are not even willing to work with this, with this current team. Mm-hmm. What is Makunz's experience before coming to the National Assembly? She was a minister for a couple of months, Minister of Culture, but before that she was working for the Peace Corps, for the US government technically, and she was also a teacher of English language. Her English is good, and that's, the, uh, that's one of those uh, good things that we can say about her. <laughs> okay, I believe she taught Nikol Pashinyan his English, right? So. Yes, yes, she was his teacher actually, yeah. Well, based on those results, I don't know what I can say about her English, English <laughs> teaching skills, to be honest. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, well, f f for the sake of uh, Armenia, I'm hoping that Nikol Pashinyan knows better than us. Um, okay. Over the past week, we've heard a lot of uh, multiple and continuing threats yes. from Ilham Aliyev yes, yes. towards Armenia, right? He has claimed that Sunik, Sevan, and even Yerevan are ancestral yes. Azeri territory, and mm -hmm. that they shall return to these lands. Now, I yes. think that there was something in the November agreement saying that people should be returning to their lands and everything. And this is a wild expansion of that concept. Mm -hmm. And he has threatened that Armenia should not make another mistake. I think I'm quoting that and immediately follow through with a peace agreement, border demarcation, mm -hmm. etc. All right. We haven't seen Prime Minister Pashinyan reacting to these things, uh, in my opinion, in a commensurate response. It's been yeah. somewhat muted. He's pointed out these threats to international players and organizations, but I don't know that I've seen a readiness to confront these threats. Okay, so two points. Actually, you're right. You're right that if they are saying whatever they want to say about Armenia, about Armenians, about uh, the history of Armenia, they say whatever they want to say and mm -hmm. they do not, do not get any answer, any aggressive answer from Yerevan. I mean, if, if you're saying something and, and your enemy is not... Uh, <laughs> Is, is not answering. Yeah, of course. You 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 are just keeping you just keep it going. Yeah. This is the first and second. Of course, this is a pressure against Armenian government. Um, uh, this rhetoric, these shootings on the border, uh, whatever happening, whatever is happening in Yeras, we all know. Um, uh, whatever it is, it is a pressure. 
It is a pressure, and this pressure is uh, to go against the interests of our uh, own country. This is basically what we have now. Uh, just for our listeners, I also wanted to uh, quickly mention for the listeners who don't know, uh, you know, the situation in Yerask uh, on the Nakhichevan border of Ar uh, with Armenia escalated over the last few days, actually. We have... Yes, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. We had a death uh, 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 of a soldier last week, and I think the mayor of the uh, Yerashavan... Yeah, he was wounded today. He was wounded yes. today. He was wounded Just today. Last night. Uh, Actually, there is a lack of information against, again, again, there's a lot of, uh, there is a lack of information again, as it used to be during the 44 days war. Uh, so we don't have, um, uh, we don't have official information yet. Most probably we will have something today from the Ministry of Foreign, uh, from the Ministry of uh, Defense. But at this point, we, we still have, uh, we still have nothing. Okay. Uh, during the week, Russian General Sergei Strakov yes. and others were in Yerevan to continue discussions that they started back in January, aiming to deepen cooperation between the Armenian and Russian militaries. Uh, Surem, what is mm -hmm. the aim of these discussions? Are they remedial on the heels of Armenia's humiliating loss in the 44-day war? Or is there a qualitative upgrade in the engagement between the two countries in their bilateral alliance? Uh, you know, these meeting, meetings uh, between the high-level officials of ministers of defense are systematic, and usually this uh, this is happening uh, very often. So mm -hmm. I don't think there is something very special or something that they are they, they are here. Uh, usually they are meeting. They are usually uh, talking about the current situation. They are talking about possibilities to cooperate here or there, coordinate their actions, etc. So basically, I think there is nothing extraordinary because I think this is uh, this is very systematic thing that we are. Uh, with, that's where you know, Defense ahead. Minister Harutunyan has said that this is all in the context of the reform of our armed forces. Um, I honestly haven't heard a whole yeah. lot about that. What is going on in that reform? Do you know? I have no idea what is going on, but we've heard about the possibility to to cut the number of our military. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about it. I haven't seen the the agenda or the schedule or whatever they have, or the bill, whatever they have. But I think when they're talking about reforms, well, technically, again, coming to my point, if you don't have uh, problems with your neighbors, uh, if you don't see any threat from uh, Turkey and Azerbaijan, then you don't need an army technically. I guess right? it's a matter of perspective. If you think you are Switzerland. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've also been talking about a professional army. You know, that is a very expensive proposition. Mm -hmm. Well, even Switzerland is not a good example. <laughs> Luxembourg. <laughs> because, uh... No, but we need to talk about something else. That There's a big pressure from Azerbaijan, and they're saying that Armenia needs to cut their army. Uh, every time they're talking about this, I'm remembering the capitulation of Japan, surrender of Japan. Uh, and according to their constitution, they are... Uh, they're not able to have uh, any military unit. So this, is, this was a precondition from the United States back in 1945. Yeah. So who knows what's happening? Maybe that's a precondition from Azerbaijan too. Within the context of threats from Azerbaijan, I think that... And Turkey. And Turkey. And Turkey. Yeah. And Turkey. I mean, fortunately, or maybe unfortunately, because we don't get it, uh, you know, Azerbaijan has been the most honest enemy with us for the last, uh, you know, 30 years, or even at least since uh, Aliyev was in power. He's been talking about uh, Yerevan being, this issue about Yerevan being theirs and even sort of assuming yeah. being theirs is not new, right? He's been talking about this for at least a decade. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. But we have not been heeding those yeah. uh, and we have not been responding to those things. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, I'm dumbfounded mm -hmm. that we can't even, I mean, the best we have done is uh, like a, a 
you know, singular note by the foreign ministry, whereas every day there is yeah. this propaganda from Aliyev that, you know, we're going to come back to our lands, uh, we're going to, you know, Yerevan is ours, Sevan is ours, Sunik is ours. Just once, you know, we issue a, a note and we we uh, forget about it. That's, uh, that is something that I think that we need to change at least to even have a pretense of or to you know to pretend that we we have a we have a state that we want to protect because this this is you know a little bit uh, ridiculous already um, yeah yeah that's that's yeah my... you're right <laughs> unfortunately you're right <laughs> all right well there's always a lot to talk about but for now we'll have to leave it there thank you suren thank you very yeah, much we look guys. forward thank to you. talking thank to you, you again for having me thank you suren That concludes our program for this Week in Review episode. We hope it has helped your understanding of some of the issues from the previous week. We look forward to your feedback and your suggestions for issues to cover in greater depth. Contact us on our website at grung.org or on our Facebook page, ann-grung, or in our Facebook group, grung-Armenian News Network. Special thanks to Laura Osborne for providing the music for our podcast. On behalf of everyone in this episode, we wish you a good week. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels, like our pages, and follow us on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.